Welcome to the Indie Writer Podcast, where we talk about all things writing and indie publishing. Today, we are excited to be checking in about Nano with Mirth Killingsworth and Michaela Green. Michaela Green is a writer and artist curious about the stories that can be found in the relationships around us. She has had artwork previously exhibited at the Hermitage Museum in Norfolk, Virginia. When not working on an MFA in fiction at Vermont College of Fine Arts, she is hanging out with her dog Milo in Charleston, South Carolina. Mirth Killingsworth is a wild co-creator in an ecosystem of language. Her stories have been featured by the University of New Mexico Taos's literary magazine, Howl, and she was a finalist for the New Millennium Writing Awards. In the past, she has worked as a wilderness ranger in the High Sierra, a massage therapist, a fine arts carpenter, and an assistant arborist. She currently writes and lives and lives in northern New Mexico with her family. Welcome to both of you. How are you doing today? Hello. Hi. Good. Doing very well. <laughs> We're super excited to have you. I just wanted to give a brief overview about what we're talking about today, just in case any of our listeners have never heard of NaNoWriMo. And then I'm going to hand it over to Carrie because she rocks uh, NaNoWriMo <laughs> questions. She's been doing it all month through the library. Now I have so, to find the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so National Novel Writing Month takes place every November. Um, and it is a challenge just to authors everywhere to join together and to write 50,000 words in one month so that you leave the month kind of having a really big head start on a novel project. And some people go with the project they've already started and add 50,000 words. Some do a brand new project and some kind of just set their own goal and feed on the energy of other authors creating during that space. So there's room for anyone, even if you get a late start or feel you can't hit 50,000 or already have a work in progress going, it's still a really fun community to get involved in each November. Yeah, so it's kind of funny that people want me to do these NaNoWriMo presentations. I don't know what it is about me that people are like, she would be a good speaker for this. So I kind of have these like pre-prepared questions that we always talk about on these things. So I think last year we did one with a young woman who was just like really smart and super cool. So we, it was kind of a casual conversation. So we have two more smart and super cool people with us today. So I guess one of the questions that I asked the last time was, have you ever completed NaNoWriMo before? So I know you're both doing it this year how have we done it in the past i've definitely had fifty thousand word months before in the past but i've never done the official nanowrimo so it's whole new territory me too um it's also completely new i've never done anything like this before ever and jackie you've finished before i have i finished in 2019 with a project that's still just sitting on the shelf. <laughs> and then I did kind of like mirth, I did um, 50,000 words during a camp NaNoWriMo. So it wasn't officially in November, but it was one of their their other months where they, you know, kind of let writers come in and, and name their own word counts. And I used that to finish the book that will come out March 1st. Nice. Yeah. And I, and today, 
you know, this episode's going to come out. There will only be a week left of Nano. So we're going to get to, you know, what we're going to use to get ourselves through those, those final days when we're super burnt out. But I would love to just hear how the process has been for both of you so far. Tell us what you're working on and, um, you know, how has Nano treated you these first two weeks? Today's the 15th as we're recording. So we're at the, exactly at the halfway mark. So I pretty much started out um, with all of you all doing the front-loaded Nano um, approach. Um, but then I kind of realized that that wasn't necessarily working for me very well. I started out strong, but um, I realized I had a lot on my plate. So I kind of decided to sort of adapt it back to that kind of just working with what I have and um, decided to be a little bit more gentle with myself and to challenge myself to just write as much as I could. Um, if I do hit 50,000 words, that's great. But if I don't, that's also okay. And I've written more, I think, this month than I ever have in a month. So I'm just just kind of rolling with it and just also feeding off of your energy and just being inspired by other writers. Nice. Yeah, I think that's super important to remember that your goal can be very different, but it's still a really energizing time. And um, I'm really excited because today we're joined by the four of us actually have been sprinting together. So it's really fun to be talking about this topic. So I encourage everyone, if you don't have those people in your life that you're that you're helping each other through Nana, then go find them. They're around. There are a lot of libraries. Carrie can talk about this more that do sprinting groups. Um, there is a lot of stuff on social media under the Nana Remo hashtag. If you want to find other writers to do that, there's even some social media accounts that run sprints around the clock. So if you're not sure who to sprint with, they are almost always available. And Mirth, how about you? How's it going so far? Good. Yeah. I feel like trying to keep up with you and Carrie has been awesome for my word counts. I hope that the quality um, isn't just a whole mess, but the quantity is definitely there. Um, and it's been really insightful into my process. I feel like I came from a fine arts background and um, like, I guess just approaching a novel like I would a painting, like trying to sketch out this really rough idea of what I want it to look like as a whole before I delve into any detail in any one section is actually really different than I've ever written before. Because um, I used to like go back, I feel like the my other two novel drafts that I've done, it's been like a quarter of the draft and then I've gone back and really done the details that it took to like get that quarter to where I felt like then the half came naturally and then went back and like worked on the half and you would never like approach a painting like that like you would never be like I will now just work on this quarter of the canvas and make it like super rich and detailed and great before I move to this quarter of the canvas and so my kind of personal challenge and kind of like disruption to my own process has been to try to get a really big sketch by going from the very beginning to the very end without looking back at all, which has been, yeah, it's been awesome. That's cool. I really like how you described that. I feel like I'm going to have that picture in my head now um, whenever I start to go back, which is one of my pitfalls for Nano for sure. <laughs> it's really hard not to. 
it's really like tempting like but it also makes me like I feel hungry already for a second draft I don't know if you're feeling that but I'm like I want to go back and like really flesh it out and I'm just not letting myself yeah we're definitely going to talk about pitfalls because this is the last week or the you know the home stretch for people who are listening so yeah I'm glad to hear that it's going well for both of you how about you Jackie how's it going for you uh, it's going pretty well. I f- see we're at the, on the 15th, I, I did the um, reverse nano, which if no one's heard of that, you can look it up. There's a Wikipedia article on it. That's great. And it basically helps with that idea that you start with a lot of energy and a lot of motivation, and then it's going to naturally tinker off. And so you just get extra words in, in the beginning. Um, and the actual plan it uh, is written out in a day by day with each day you know, the word count you need getting lower, but I just try really hard to front load that first week whenever I can. And then, um, and then I've just been looking at, at what word count per day I need to stay on track and adding a little bit to that during those first two weeks. So now I'm at the 15th and, and my average words I need to finish is less than a thousand. And so it's feeling much more manageable than if I was trying to keep that momentum going. How about you, Carrie? Carrie's kicking all our butts. I'm pretty sure she's already past 40,000. Carrie's <laughs> headed for 80 this month. She's just making all of us. I'm going to try to get 80, but if I don't, I'm not going to sweat. I This is the fastest I've ever completed NaNoWriMo, so I'm at like 42.5 or something like that. And I think a lot of my success comes from having outlined everything in October. I spent a lot of time with the characters and I didn't write anything in October. I was working on a project like in August and September that just, I've tried to write this dumb neighborhood book for like the last six years. I I just want to write a book about a neighborhood where bad things happen, but it just does not come out. Like every time I try to outline it, it just doesn't work. So I had this new idea. So I decided to just spend all of October working on it. So that's, I think that's why I'm moving so fast because I just know what's going to happen. And so I definitely recommend Jackie and I were on a panel. Gosh, it was only the other day, I think. (laughs) But I mentioned that in the panel that if you go to the NaNoWriMo website before NaNoWriMo, and I think all of the tools are on there all the time. So you could choose to prep like in December and then go in January or whenever is convenient for you. But I, those prep tools were really helpful to me. So we'll see if I can do 80. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen, but we'll see. And for everyone listening, I always want to say that Carrie and I also both have claimed projects on Nano in the past and then not written a single word. So this year we're, we're doing well and we're helping each other through it. But the project I'm working on this year is the same one I put up last year and never made any progress on. So whatever you do is, is great. Um, and just, yeah, find your people and help each other have a productive month. Yeah, I think we talked about that on the panel too. Like last year, I just jumped right off the train because I had an editing project that was due and I thought I could do both and I could not do both. But I still got 15,000, which is way more than I would have if I was just kind of trundling along on whatever. 
when I'm not doing NaNoWriMo, I usually do about 2,500 a week and I'm doing that every day right now. So definitely cannot keep that momentum up after, <laughs> after November. So let's dive in and talk a little bit about just what has worked for you. Um, are there any techniques that you started the month out with and then you realized that that something else is working better and you're going to carry that through to the end of the month? Um, what Merce talked a lot about this being a self-discovery process for what works with your writing habits. So I would just love to hear about that. And I'm sure our listeners would as well. Yeah. So I think it's definitely been a self-discovery project for me as well. Um, I did not really have a set technique of what I wanted to write. Um, but I think the sprints that we've been doing especially have been really great with helping me just to develop more of a daily writing practice, even if that's not, um, you know, meeting my word count every day that I initially started with, just getting something done every day has been so helpful for me. Sure. I feel like for me, it's been more like a disruption of routine. Like I kind of have been in this habit for years um, of like waking up and like getting my kids settled and um, getting to the computer and writing at least 500 words and like different times I try for more um, a day. And I've seen Nano this year as like a opportunity to disrupt that a little, to try and get different energies in from different times of day, writing with different people, really like pushing it beyond um, my comfort zone. Like I was watching this like EDM documentary where Carl Cox was like, I've been DJing for like 10 hours and I don't even know what I'm playing, but it's the best stuff I've ever played. And I want to find that space with writing. Like when you write so much, you don't even know what you're writing. And I feel like Nano is an invitation to do that. And like to really, like I've been writing at night, which is sort of insane for me because normally and it might still be but normally my anything I write at night just kind of gets automatically deleted uh because it's that bad so it's been a process in like trying different things and seeing you know how to shake it up how about you, Carrie? Are there any, like, I'm just trying to think of maybe things I've done differently this time than I did last time around. Have there been any new habits that you've gotten into or any techniques you've used that are really working? I think sprinting definitely has. I've noticed a lot more, not just our group, which has been amazing, but I've also been noticing people doing more sprints online because NaNoWriMo has said that they do not want to encourage in-person events this year, which I think is a smart decision on their part. So my library is doing sprints every Saturday morning. And then another friend of mine, she was she was just so funny because she was like, I'm going to host sprints. She had never done it before. <laughs> so I helped her with that a little bit. And it was super fun. I got to meet some more authors that I'd never met before. And they were actually at a book fair like they, it's called the i think it's the buckeye book fair it's a ohio thing where all the authors go down and they get to sell their books all these book fans come and spend money which 
to me is just so funny. I've never been to anything like that. So, but yeah, it, it was cool to meet more people and read more about or hear more about what they do. So yeah, that's definitely been motivating. I tend to write more at night too. So having to get early <laughs> and do things before I go to work has been helpful because sometimes I can get two sessions in on the same day. Hey, to piggyback off of what um, Merck was saying and also kind of what Carrie was saying, um, I think that I've been writing a lot more at night than I previously would have ever because usually I'm more of a morning writing person. Um, but I think that there has been a little bit of disruption of that um, on the weekends, especially. And writing at night has been really nice to change up the routine a little bit. And also, I just feel like I am a little more introspective at night. And it's been interesting to see kind of like what comes out at night versus what comes out in the mornings or during our sprints. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think for me, and it, it hasn't just been nano, it's just been the last five months in general. Um, I'm actually in an MFA program with Mirth and Michaela right now. And so it's been more of a structure than I think I've ever had in my writing life. Uh, and so that's been such a big difference. I also wanted to mention before I forget, because I'm sure I will, Carrie and I did a panel as she mentioned this past Saturday for Indie Author Project. And one of the other panelists mentioned dictation. And so the last two days, I've just been like, you know, driving home after dropping my kids off at school. I'm like, I'm just going to give it a shot. I'm going to like, you know, talk out a scene into my, into my phone on Google Translate. And then I get home and I plug it into my writing program and it's, you know, 1200 words and I just kind of comb through it and edit it. And so that is definitely something that I will continue to do because it's been really helpful. And I've noticed that it's also a chance to bring the characters to life a little more to like have to talk to yourself in their voices and get to know them and realize that you're writing, you know, you have to write dialogue a little more believably. So it's been a really cool practice for me. I don't know if anybody else would resonate with that, but um, thank you to, was it Carissa on the panel the other day. She helped me add 3,000 words over the last 48 hours. I had to laugh because we talked about that on Saturday. And then on Sunday, my son told me that he wanted to write a book. And I said, okay, well, we can get your laptop out because he said he doesn't like to write on paper because it hurts his hand and he doesn't know how to spell. And he got his laptop out and immediately started dictating. Like he didn't even think about typing. He just started talking and he wrote like three chapters of a book that he has now envisioned about Maine Coon cats. <laughs> so I thought it was really cute. He put in pictures from Google search and it was just really funny, but it's a legit way for people to write. And especially if like my son, he has a visual disability. So for people who might not be able to write in the standard typical way. It's a great, cool option. Oh, we'll tell Henry we should, uh, we should chat about it someday because it's a great tool. Well, there's like all sorts of oral storytelling traditions. Like I wonder if you're tapping into that energy. Um, I've tried that here and haven't, I can't do it. So there is kind of a little bit of just that speaking the story out loud that seems to clarify some of what I'm trying to do. 
that is maybe hard for me if I'm just staring at the same same words on paper over and over again. Not that I haven't had realizations during that, but I think that my brain, I, I really do, mixing it up helps me a lot, like stepping out of a comfort zone. So it may be that this stops working in a week and I need to go back and do something else to mix it up because I think that's just what works for me. Um, what has not worked for you? What have you tried where you're like, oh, I think this is going to be really successful, but maybe it didn't help? Or as Carrie mentioned, have there been any pitfalls, any things that have slowed you down while you're writing? So I think um, for me, at least initially, um, when I was trying to do the reverse nano, I definitely feel like that did not work for me. Um, I was getting really stressed out about not meeting the goals and then trying to balance that plus, you know, work and the MFA program and everything else. And that just wasn't very, it wasn't working for me. So that's kind of why I decided to sort of adapt what I was doing. And um, I think I just had such an easier time since then. Yeah, those first few days were crazy. Um, especially like the, I thought like I'd made myself want it really bad. Like all of October, I wouldn't let myself touch the project. So I thought that was going to carry me through that first reverse nano week. And then like after an hour, I was like, okay, I'm out of ideas. I don't know what's happening. And I need just like a little bit of time to like go for a walk and like process what I've written so far so that other scenes can like come up organically. And so I definitely feel like 4,000 words a day is beyond my like capacity for holding, you know, and I don't know what's happening. I've written that much like towards the end of projects, but at the beginning, never. And uh, it just took more time than I thought for it to catch up. Yeah, I did. So last year I did a presentation for the Illyria Library, and then this year I'm doing one for the Cleveland Public Library, and that's coming up this weekend. So I pulled up my slide of common foot, common pitfalls, and one of them is the plot you outlined isn't working, <laughs> or the schedule isn't working, or you're too busy. Like that last year, that was definitely my problem. I just didn't have time. I couldn't meet my other deadlines. So this year I cleared my schedule and I said no editing projects in November. I'm getting my book done. And then when people have been messaging me and be like, do you have time for this? I'm like, no, I'm doing NaNoWriMo. Um, except for my agent who was like, you need to revise this whole book because we're putting it on sub next week and I was just like okay but the a couple of the other ones that I have on here and I have to say the folks that I've been sprinting with don't really have this problem but I've encountered this in like other writers groups that they worry too much about publishing when they're done and I think it was Alyssa from the Indie Author Project kind of touched on that when we did our panel last week she was like, what do you do with your NaNoWriMo book when you're finished with it? And a lot of the writers that I meet from the library are just like, okay, I have 50,000 words. Now let's publish it. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's kind of an interesting one. We already mentioned over editing. And another one is like imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not an author. I can't do this. 
Like you stare at the page and you're just like paralyzed. Like, what do I do? Especially if you're a newbie and you haven't done it before. Like I've written, all of us have written so much. And uh, Mirth and Makayla, you're both fine artists too, which is really cool. So we're kind of in that world already. Someone, and then another one that I wanted to mention too is like boredom. I've had that come, I've had that happen with my, some of my nanos. Like my first one in 2004 was so boring. I, I could not. I could not figure out how to revive it. I started putting all sorts of weird things. The character ended up in hell at one point. Like it was like literal hell. And I just, when I was done, I was just like, what is this? So I don't know. Have any of you encountered that with your, your NaNoWriMo? Like, just like, how do I inject some flavor into this? Oh yeah. I feel like one thing for me with any project is that once I get all of the ideas that I've been ruminating on, on paper, then I I, kind of like a deer in headlights where I don't quite know where to go next. So, you know, I feel like when you first start Nano, you have like a good idea of where you're going to go and and then you get it all down. You know, maybe it's 7,000 or 10,000 words later and you're like, oh, nowhere near the end. So then you just make your character walk around for 20 pages. That's what I do until they find something interesting. But I'm a pantser, unlike Carrie, who plots everything. So, uh, yeah, I tend to just make them meander until something happens. And, um, yeah, how about how about the two of you, Mirth and Michaela? I think I definitely encountered a little bit of boredom in my project. Um, I kind of try to use like other forms of writing or other art forms when I'm feeling a little bit of like a lack of inspiration. Um, So for this one, I did, I kind of put the project aside for just a moment and then wrote some CNF that was just kind of more, it was more front of mind. And then I was kind of able to use some, just some ideas from that and then translate that back to the project. And I found that to be really helpful. So I think sometimes just using other forms of art or writing can be really helpful in sort of reviving that inspiration. I'm so obsessed with my own stuff that I cannot possibly be bored, but I get really involved and then I'm kind of a bad human otherwise. Like there was this day, I think I told you Jackie, where I like was supposed to go pick up my son and I was still like writing in my head and really into it. And then I like climbed in the car And I was sitting there in the car for like a good 10 minutes before I realized I was sitting in the passenger seat of the car and that I was supposed to move myself to the driver's seat and drive. So I kind of feel like I have a little bit of the opposite problem where I have to like find this balance between being not too immersed in what I'm doing to where I can't stop and like take care of my kids and make sure I drive myself where I'm supposed to be. Um, But also, and also like putting weird stuff in your book, like my book is just straight weird stuff all the time. So the idea of it not being weird is really foreign to me. Okay, you kind of know what's been working. You know the road that you have left ahead of you. We're at the halfway mark today as we record. And when this comes out, we'll be in the final week. Um, what, how do you plan to keep yourself going? 
Is there anything, I, I will admit that I am, as a writer in general and a human, I bribe myself all the time. It's like my thing. I'm like, okay, I got a hundred words. Now I get a piece of chocolate. Uh, and so I, I am not above bribing myself or rewarding myself like a kid with a sticker chart. I don't use sticker charts on my kid, but I will gladly use them on myself. I would just love to know how, how do you inspire yourself, keep yourself moving forward in this final stretch? What are you planning anything special for when you finish? Is there anything that waits for you um, or that you just do to, to keep the spirit up or plan to? I think I'll just be excited to have another kind of book in my pocket. As far as like inspiration for the final push, I rely a ton on documentaries. I like love watching documentaries on um, the thing I'm writing about. And it's like this way of like getting new images and getting fresh ideas and listening to interviews. Um, That's a huge one too. Otherwise it feels like getting past the second act of the book. (laughs) And then then it's like, I feel like it carries to the end, but I'm kind of slogging in that right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could do a whole episode on just middles and maybe that's one we can put on the roster for the spring, just getting through the slog of the middle of a book. Um, Cause I think that's something a lot of people relate to, but then in nano, you don't really have time to sit and dwell on it. And so you just got to do it, which is, is tricky. How about you, Michaela? So kind of similar to Murph, I think I've been getting a lot of inspiration from, um, from films and other art forms, I guess, um, other forms of storytelling. And so I've been taking myself to the movies like every weekend, like just take myself on a little date to the movies. And it's, I feel like I get so much inspiration from other art forms. Um, I saw this movie Spencer last weekend and it's like a psychological horror and it was just so gripping and there was this amazing like push and pull between like claustrophobia and isolation and it just really inspired what I want to write or something that I want to add to some short stories and to my nano project and so I think just kind of getting fresh ideas from films and music and interviews and things is really what's keeping me going. I think it's so interesting that both of you have that interdisciplinary background. I, I'm reading this book right now for book list, so it's not out yet, but it's called Scarlet and Blue. And it's about a young girl and her mother who they have to keep moving from town to town because they're being stalked kind of by this creepy guy who you don't really know yet about him. But what I find interesting about that book is that it, the mom is a painter, the daughter is a musician, and it's all being held together by this prose that's just like kind of, it's almost like it's, that's the puzzle piece that's holding those things together. So stuff like that's really inspirational to me, thinking about painting and thinking about movies and film and um, even like playwriting, screenwriting. When I was doing the prep, one of the things they said an exercise to do was what has inspired you to write this particular story? So I was able to identify different works 
that have kind of led me to this place. So I think that's a, a really cool way to look at it. I also bribe myself though, too. Like if I finish for the day, then I can read like I allow myself to read. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Or play Warcraft. I like to play my husband and I play World of Warcraft. No, but I think that's great. I think that's just like another form of storytelling. And I think there's so much, so many, um, you know, stories to be found like from all around us and so many different ways of being inspired for myself, even just like going out into my garden and looking at like the tree in my backyard and just like, you know, the different plants that I have and thinking about that as a really great way to get inspired. Um, yeah, and I just think that um, I think creation is very interdisciplinary. I just love that. That's something I'm very interested in. That's really cool. I think that like this book for me, um, it's kind of weird that I started writing it with my protagonist being really strongly inspired by my dance mentor. And so it has a huge energy of dance and electronic music behind it. And then um, my dance mentor died last week while I was writing it. And she is this amazing woman that doesn't like, she never really believed in death. And she like has this like huge hope for the ideas that I'm working with in this novel. And it's kind of become this memorial energy that's been driving and also adding new inspiration, like um, her kind of coming to me and these things that she's said and like her memory influencing what I'm writing and also what I'm viewing. So, and listening to like the music with like, I was watching some of these old videos of her and just like really feeling her ideas and like her just intolerance for any sort of boundary, like even the boundary between life and death and between disciplines in art. And uh, that's been really powerful. That sounds hard. I'm sorry for your loss, but I'm glad that you've turned it into something positive and healing. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like, I mean, you know, of course it's a loss to have not have her on this planet, but also like just knowing her belief system and like she and I both were like students of Gabrielle Roth, who was just like, make good art, make good art. Like no matter what suffering you have, turn it in to good art. Like, and so just kind of keeping that mantra with her death and all of us like grieving that loss, but also like making it into great art and like using that energy to write about all of the grief from the last two years. It's a big job, you know, like we've got a lot like as a community to compost and to process emotionally. And that's the job of the artist. Ultimately, like any discipline, I feel like it's to transmute all of that emotional energy into great art. Um, so I feel like with her, it's like she wouldn't even see her own death as a loss, knowing that it contributed to great art, great music, great living. That is really powerful. And that's a lot to be processing. And I think that you bring up a really good point that that all of us right now are kind of going into this nano with probably um, a lot more in our ruminating through our heads than we ever have before. 
And so maybe there is kind of like this collective energy that we're all putting on the page right now. It'll be really interesting to see what comes out, you know, in two years of books that were written this November um, as we all process, you know, so much grief came to mind as we're talking. I, I think of, you know, Carrie, who's a huge plotter. Um, and then I think the three of us have just kind of been, you know, approaching Nano as more exploratory and going where the stories lead us. And one challenge I've been having is just finding that balance of not wanting to go backwards, not wanting to get stuck in editing, but also having a really hard time seeing what is still missing from the story and like what bridges I still have to connect and maybe where I could go put another 2000 words if I go back. So I, I really am having trouble finding that that balance of just like being able to picture the story as a whole without going back and getting stuck. Um, do have either of you dealt with that as you work through it? And have you found any techniques? I've definitely felt that push pull. Like I've wanted to go back to like the books that have inspired the voice behind this one and really like study them closely and kind of assess where it's at and what it needs. And I've just been not, um, doing it yet. You know, I hope to, <laughs> and I hope that like the longer I don't let myself, the hungrier I get for that. And, um, that that'll make revision easier, which is always kind of my struggle, especially beyond a second draft. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, I think I personally need, just need to be better about making sure that, you know, when I get that feeling that I'm like writing that down somewhere that I'm writing down, you know, the question of, hey, I think that I need to go back and put this Easter egg there because what I'm writing now relates to something in the beginning. Um, and I've never been great at that, at that whole thing that a lot of even sci-fi and fantasy writers do, which I write sci-fi, is just that world Bible and keeping track of, you know, things that change so that when you edit, that's easier. Um, so copious comments, I guess, and then just keep moving forward is probably the best way to handle that during nano. Uh, but I still, maybe I'm just looking for someone to give me permission to go backwards, which, which is not the answer right now. <laughs> no, I, I don't go backwards. I don't even when I'm drafting non during NaNoWriMo, but even as an outliner, there's details that I miss. I have my one friend who writes like 11 books a year. She writes all the details in her outline. She highlights them in different colors. She has like conflict and character development. I'm just like, no, this is what happens in this scene. <laughs> so stuff will start to come out and I just kind of write it down. And then that way, after I go back and reread it, like I pretend I'm reading it as a reader. The word I keep wanting to say is patron, which is like library jargon. <laughs> but like as I'm reading it, I think what would a reader notice? What what things are out of place here? What kind of in uh, consistencies inconsistencies are there? So yeah, I'm. I would say definitely don't make some notes, but like don't stop because you'll you could very easily lose momentum. Yeah, I think that I've pretty much been the same as you, Carrie. I don't think I've, I haven't gone back um, and read anything or tried to really edit. I've been kind of just keeping it very 
just very raw. And I'm just, I feel really excited to be able to go back at the end of the month and kind of like read it with fresh eyes and see where I can, you know, add or what I can change or edit. One thing we do always ask is if you have any resources that have been really helpful to you, both with this topic and just as a writer in general, uh, if there's any craft books that you turn to time and again for Nano, are there websites that you use? Um, I just wanted to make a plug for, for um, we've been, when we've been doing our writer sprints, we've sometimes been pulling up like random word generators or picture generators and things like that really do help me just to kind of get out of a funk say, okay, I'm going to use three out of these five words in this paragraph. And maybe it gives me a little direction um, or takes me in a direction that I wasn't going in. Um, and then I also wanted to plug really quickly. Uh, there is a beat sheet calculator that Murph told me about that's really helpful where you can plug in your, your word count. So if you're writing a 50,000 page draft or page, well, 50,000 word draft, then you can see roughly where the beats for Save the Cat would fall in your novel. And so it's kind of helpful to be like, okay, I'm rounding the corner on this count. I should probably be hitting the midpoint about here. Um, so those are just two that I wanted to mention, but I would love to hear from you know all three of you what has been working and, and what you would uh, recommend as valuable resources to our listeners. I think um, for me, writing fiction by Janet Burroway is kind of like a writing, you know, writing Bible pretty much. So I kind of just keep that with me. And if there's ever anything where I'm, because I'm a pretty new writer, and if there's anything where I'm sort of like wondering what to do or how do I figure out this particular craft element or plot point, I just kind of go to that and read it and, you know, maybe make some notes and that's super helpful. So I think having like a very trusty craft book on standby is key. I don't really do that. <laughs> I really like, I feel like I read so many craft books um, and I don't absorb any of them. But I do like, I have a few like really important things from a writer who's mentored me a lot, BK Lauren, that I keep kind of like really close by just in my brain. And then I keep a wall of quotes just different things that are important to me and that inspire me. Um, and I also really use, I use the, like my favorite novels again and again, as kind of like a pathway to that um, and to finding, you know, the way I want to blend those and still have a lineage based kind of off of those writers. I just want to really agree with Mirth about having a, um, having novels that inspire you, your favorite novels. Um, I think that can be so helpful. And that's definitely something that I also keep very close by, like whatever I'm writing, whatever it's sort of been influenced by, I will always have that on hand. If there's ever something where I need to like, look for inspiration or just like get ideas on how to do things, that's always with me. Yeah. I Jackie's heard me say this before, but Save the Cat Writes a Novel. I really like that one because it gives you the beats, but then it also compares it to books that are already out there. And you can, there's a lot of examples of film too, but because that was, it was originally designed for screenwriting, but the Jessica Brody one about 
novel writing has really helped me kind of figure out the structure. And I love the idea of, because I just love to read, I love to get lost in a story, but I also like the idea of breaking it down and finding where those story high points are. And like you said, Michaela, about being inspired by specific books, having those kinds of books nearby you so that you can just kind of refer to them. Well, I do want to mention if anyone likes the Save the Cat, which I know we mention on this show a lot, it gets brought up a good bit um, with a lot of our guests. But there are, if you go on their website, they actually have way more than they offer in the book where they'll take other stories, both novels and films, um, and break them down to the beats so you can kind of see where that falls. And of course, not everything is written as a save the cat beat. We are all about disrupting form here and writing whatever you want. But if you find that some of that structure helps you get where you're going, then then that's a really valuable resource. So before we jump off, I would love both of you to just give our listeners, just tell them what you're working on and how they can keep up with your work and where to find you. We would love that. Um, so I'm working on this novel about a DJ, an electronic music DJ, um, who slowly joins the mycelium and technology into singularity, uh, both the technological singularity and a singularity in the sense of like, you can't see past it. Um, and there's other characters that are struggling with other types of singularity, like birth and death, and kind of this revelation of exponential growth instead of linear growth. Um, as far as keeping up with me, there's not really a good way. Um, I'm pretty removed from social media, and I live in the mountains, and I barely, I just got internet before we started school, like six months ago. Can they check out your nano progress? They can, yes. I think I'm just Mirth Killingsworth on nano, but who knows? They can also email me if they really want to go there. So I am working on um, sort of a series of interconnected short stories, and they are about these two lovers, and it sort of starts with them um, reuniting when they're in sort of like an senior age and then it kind of like traces back their relationship um but to find me um you can find me at michaela greens um on instagram i will be attempting to turn that into a writing page we'll see how far i get but that's the best place to reach me right now awesome that's exciting and we will put all the links to all of the resources mentioned and how to get in touch with our lovely guests in our show notes so it'll be super easy to find. And I just wanted to thank you both again for coming on. This was a lot of fun. To everyone listening, if you're doing nano, feel free to reach out to us on social media and let us know how it's going. Um, you can also find, I think, all four of us on you know, the Nano Remo site if you want to connect there. Thanks so much, Jackie and Carrie. It's fun. Thanks for listening to the Indie Writer Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will subscribe to hear our future episodes. We want to thank the Writing Block community for the continued support. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or at writingblock.com, no K. Remember to subscribe, share, and tell your friends. Thanks, everyone, and happy writing.